News Talk 98.7 WOKI presents Around the House with Scott Brokamp, your weekly source for home maintenance and improvements, home services, hobbies, lifestyle, and just about anything you'd find to do around the house. And now, here's your host, Scott Brokamp. Well, good morning, East Tennessee. Saturday morning has arrived. You know... We still got some remnants of rain left, but the forecast is looking much brighter. I really feel like we have had our last spell of chill in the air. That's what I'm going with. Whether you want to go with it or not, that's my philosophy. We're done. Softball has started. Spring is here. It is time to move on from old man winter. And, uh, well, let's go outside and enjoy some some wonderful time in beautiful east tennessee i am scott brokamp founder and co-owner of his security and technology locally owned and operated right here in east tennessee and uh, i just want to give a big shout out to all of our employees at his security and technology uh, if you didn't know yesterday was national employee appreciation day and um, myself and co-owner doug fraker we we took the opportunity to serve our employees. Uh, we brought in the griddles, and we made bacon, eggs, sausage, and pancakes for all of our employees yesterday. Uh, I like to be goofy, and one of the things I do with my kids is I play a, a goofy restauranteur, chef, and host and so we kind of did the same with our employees yesterday it was a great day great opportunity just to kind of get together and hang out so hopefully you got appreciated yesterday uh, from your employer and if not just know this we appreciate you you're very much appreciated and uh, we appreciate you listening we appreciate you being here hey if you're looking for something fun to do this weekend well hey it's east tennessee there's always something fun to do Mardi Gras, Knoxville's premier pet parade and party, is happening today from 11 to 3 at World's Fair Park. Come out and have a doggone good time and support Young Williams Animal Center, the Professional Bull Riders, Pendleton Whiskey Velocity Tour, stops in Knoxville tonight, up-and-coming cowboys, see if they can hang on for about eight seconds, a rowdy bunch of bulls at Food City Center. It all starts at 7 p.m. tonight. Our Lady Vols softball is hosting the Tennessee Classic Tournament this weekend at Sherry Parker Lee Stadium. I'll be there all day tomorrow, actually. The Lady Vols will take on Longwood today. Um, let me see if I can get the adjusted schedule pulled up here. So, Lady Vols play today at 3 o'clock. They're going to play Stetson. And then at 5.30 today, they're going to play Brown. Uh, the schedule has been drastically changed due to the weather that we had yesterday. So uh, you can find that at uh, uh, UT Sports or just look at the Lady Vols Tennessee Softball Facebook page. For more information of other great things happening around town this weekend, you can go to visitknoxville.com. That's visitknoxville.com. Well, when it comes to information about problems you might encounter around the house. We are really fortunate to have UT Institute of Art, uh, <coughs> Agriculture and its extension agents in Knox County. For our first hour this morning, I'm talking with Lauren Woods, a, well, she's just about 
kind of a, a a regular guest around here anymore. I love having her. She's so awesome. And her cohort, Heather Kyle from Knox County Extension Office, March is National Poison Prevention Awareness Month, and they're going to teach us how to protect ourselves, our kids, and our pets from accidental death or injury due to poisoning. Good morning. Good morning. How, how are you? Great. Lauren is here with us in studio, and we have Heather Heather Kyle on the phone with us. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. How are you all? Well, we're great. Uh, too bad you weren't able to join us here in studio and have all the fun that we're having. But we're, uh, we're glad it's you're here. <laughs> Modern technology, right? We'll make it work any way yeah. we can go. Makes everything possible. So, you know, Lauren, you, you were here recently, and uh, I, I just had such a great time having conversation about all that you guys do. Really, I want you guys, one of the two of you, tell me what is so important about extension and extension programs. Oh, I don't know that we have enough time for that. But I will say that um, one of the things I love about my job is I actually get to go out into the community and talk to people about topics that, you know, we think we may know, but we don't necessarily have that expert's eye view on. Um, So I get to go out and talk about nutrition and physical activity and things, how to make that incorporate into your life a little easier. Um, And Heather, Heather actually gets to talk about a whole range of things different from from what I do. Yes. Yeah, so I, one of our slogans is real life solutions. And it, mm. it really is so true. We just provide people with just solutions for everyday life. Um, so I teach programming. There's a lot of human development. So I teach parenting classes. Um, I teach court ordered anger management, which is a wonderful course to teach. Very important. Um, I do some diabetes cooking schools. I teach matter of balance, which is a senior fall prevention program. Um, and it talks about the home and, you know, how to make your home safer and prevent falls within the home. Um, so just a wide range of programs that help people live better, healthier lives. You know, you you guys are such a valuable resource to our community that so many people, I think, often overlook and are, are really just kind of unaware of, which obviously is one of the main reasons I wanted you ladies to help answer that question for us. Um, such a valuable resource, and I so appreciate you being here. So one of the things, uh, obviously, that always comes to mind when we think of poison and poison control are medications, medications in the home. Um, You know, obviously, they're prescribed to an individual for an individual reason or purpose. Uh, I'm I'm just going to say it this way. I'm a little bit more mature in age, and I came from a time when, well, it may have been in the medicine cabinet and it worked for me. So will it work for you type of mentality was there. And well, thankfully through science, we know that's not a good idea. But what are some things that we should be mindful of and we should be aware of to help protect ourselves and our families at this time? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little older in age also. Um, you know, so I mean, my parents just, hey, your brother took this, so this will work. You take that. So that's one of the biggest tips is, is not sharing medication um, because a lot of it is prescribed based on your, your weight. Before, um, you know, and sometimes it may be a little longer than that, but there's the resources are available to us to be able to make sure that we're making the best decisions that we can. You would think common sense would prevail. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it, it's, it, you know, we have this term that we know in the computer world is cash, right? And, and I'm, I'm doing a, a study, uh, well, it's about coaching softball, but 
and and this gentleman talks a lot about cash that our bodies react from the cash that is stored and it's basically what we've been taught what we've learned and what we've seen and how we have been brought around through all of the different things through our life and so sometimes we got to learn how to clear the cash and <laughs> and start all over so uh, but speaking yes. of cash, we need to make room for those who have paid some cash who would like to tell us about their <laughs> wonderful products. Hey, you like that segue? We are okay. going to take a short break. We'll be right back here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And, um, you know, what symptoms and factors that you have that another person mm. may not have, um, pre-existing conditions. So you just have to be careful and, and just take your medication. Um always read the label. So there's so much information that we get on that um, packet that we get from the from the pharmacy, but just making sure we read it or ask questions to your pharmacist. Um, you know, if you do have a pre-existing condition, if you do have other medications, one of the biggest ones that kind of um, people don't think about is their vitamins and herbs that they're taking. Um, making sure that you talk to your pharmacist, you talk to your doctor, and let them know everything that you're taking. Um, because I know a lot of people now, they'll take cinnamon, and they'll take fish oil, and they'll take different types of, of vitamins and minerals, but um, they can interact with our prescription medications. So you do have to be very careful about that. Mm -hmm. Always talk to your doctor and pharmacist before you do that. Yeah, that definitely great information. You know, and of course, today, we didn't have Google back then. So you know, you can go down some rabbit holes there, but let me tell you, probably the easiest thing to do, where you get your prescription from, they, they're working long hours. There is normally a pharmacist on duty that is able to answer the call. Call them. Call your local Walgreens, CVS, your, your uh, you know, local Farragut Pharmacy, wherever it is that you shop and get your prescriptions call them if you have questions absolutely and i would say for better or worse with the google we can look anything up it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that information is going to be accurate or that we interpret it accurately um and don't be yeah. afraid i don't know why we're afraid to talk to our pharmacists or to talk to our healthcare professionals but that's what they're there for yeah and with those patient portals and things that are out there now it's so much easier also mm, yeah. it's very convenient yeah, I mean, you know, just like with my physician, even whether it's the pharmacist or my doctor or whatever, who are prescribed it, typically I can shoot an email through my portal and, you know, listen, I'm going to get an answer. Sometimes I've gotten answers within 30 minutes before, um, you know, and sometimes it may be a little longer than that. But there's the resources are available to us to be able to make sure that we're making the best decisions that we can. You would think common sense would prevail. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it, it's, it, you know, we have this term that we know in the computer world is cash, right? And, and I'm, I'm doing a, a study, uh, well, it's about coaching softball, but, and, and this gentleman talks a lot about cash that our bodies react from the cash that is stored. And it's basically what we've been taught, what we've learned and what we've seen and how we have been brought around through all of the different things through our life. And so sometimes we got to learn how to clear the cash and, <laughs> and start all over. So, uh, but speaking yes. of cash, we need to make room for those who have paid some cash who would like to tell us about their <laughs> wonderful products. Hey, you like that segue? We are okay. going to take a short break. We'll be right back here on around the house with Scott Brokamp on news talk 98.7 W O K I. <laughs> Welcome back to Around the House. 
I am speaking with Lauren Woods and Heather Kyle from the UT Institute of Agriculture, Knox County Extension. Both of these these agents, I, I mean, that's just, I, you got to just feel good knowing that you are an agent, right? <laughs> I mean, you just that's just got to make you feel good every day. I'm an agent. Yeah. It's not the worst job title I've had, that's for sure. It's really not, is it? It's pretty amazing. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, they are helping us um, make our way through this month is uh, Poison Control or Poison Awareness Month, and we're we're wanting to make sure that we can help you and your family stay safe and, uh, you know, follow some basic safeguards to keep you safe. We have been talking about medications um, and how obviously common sense doesn't always prevail. One of the things I do want to make sure that we touch on um, before we move on from there is is proper disposal medication. You know, most of the times when we get a prescription, normally they tell us to take the entire prescription. And I know I'm guilty, just as everybody else. We don't always do that. Um, but proper disposal uh, of these items and, and really... I mean, we shouldn't just be having these uh, medications hit staying around in our cabinets or drawers for a few years and, and then breaking them out when we may have a similar <laughs> symptom, right? That's just not a good yeah. idea. So no. what, what are some, what are some of the, uh, I know we hear about um, medical or uh, prescription drop-offs um, for a lot of these old medications. So what are some of the best practices for ridding our medicine cabinets of some of these old medications? Yeah, so always, you know, kind of go through and kind of clean house. So you need to do it in your spice cabinet. You need to do it in your medicine cabinet for sure. <laughs> um, and look for those dates and see what is out of date. And actually, a, a lot of adult poisonings happen from, of course, accidental, but people not putting their glasses on and taking their medications in the dark. I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> They're taking the wrong medication or the wrong amount. But they don't have their glasses on or they take it in the dark. So those are two big tips for that. But with the getting rid of the medication, um, don't ever just throw it in the trash. So um, there are disposal sites, and there are guidelines for all that. And it's on the toy, uh, the TennesseePoisonCenter.org website. And it, you just type in your county, and it will give you all the disposal sites in the area. Um, but it's really important not to throw those out, not to flush them. They can get into the water system. So, you know, just properly disposing of those is very important yeah absolutely i mean i you know i know that some of these medications have a pretty good shelf life but a lot of them don't i mean there are a lot of medications that you receive the shelf life on these things are very minimal a lot of them don't even have a shelf life of up to uh 90 uh nine months to a year most of them, their shelf life expires in less than that, which is kind of hard to believe. But a lot of these, uh, a lot of that's, you know, why medications, they are what they are and sometimes hard to come by. So, yeah. And at that point, you know, if you do go past that expiration date, which you shouldn't, they're not effective any longer or they're not as effective. And so there's no point in having them if you're past your date anyway. So put those glasses on and check that date. <laughs> you know, I resemble that remark. I just want to say, like, I've got my cheaters laying right here. He does. <clears throat> you know, this getting old business. It's just not what it's. Uh, <clears throat> it's not. It's not all that I heard about. Not all I dreamed about when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> we all, we, as for- as kids, we all, you know, 
imagine we want to grow up so fast and then when we get there it's like man i just want to be a kid again what were we thinking i know well speaking of kids let's let's talk about the children in our home because obviously some of this stuff that happens to our children are because of the adults but a lot of it's just because well they're children they're mischievous what are some of the most uh common causes of poison emergencies in the household for kids so really with that, it's, it's mixing up. So th- there's two big things. So one of them is kids want to model us. They want to be like us. Mm. So if we take our medication in front of our kids all the time, it's part of our normal routine, then they get interested and want to do that too. So they start getting very curious. So one of the biggest tips was not take your medicine in front of your kids. So keep it in your bathroom or, or somewhere else where you're not taking it in front of your children. Um, but the other thing is just getting things mixed up when they can't read yet. So apple juice and pine salt look identical. Um, you know, the wiper fluid and blue Gatorade look identical. Um, there's several, you know, the rat poisons that look like nerds candy. Um, so there's just lots of things that look like candy, that look like drinks, um, where they're really poisons. Um, so making sure all of those things that are dangerous to kids are locked up, put up somewhere where the kids can't even get to them. And making sure we call medication by the proper name. So if your children do have to take medications, you know, don't say, well, come take your candy or come take, mm. like, we've got to call it by the proper name so they know it's medicine and they only take it from an adult or from their parents. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And and first of all, I just want to say thanks. This is the first time I really felt like I did something right as a parent <laughs> because my medications are in my bedroom. But, um, you know, yeah. in, but unfortunately, both of my kids uh, are, they have to take medications for umpteen gazillion different things. Um, luckily, you know, we minimize that. And so, but just like you said, right, making sure that, we don't want to tell them and try to trick them to get them to take their medication by telling them it's candy or disguising it in some way because we're just we're setting them up for failure. Oh, absolutely. We, yeah. You know, yeah. it's important to, to to clarify that. Yes. One of the programs that we do is it's a poster and we put it up at daycares and different places and it's called the Poison Purse. And so getting people to look at, you know, what's in your car, what's in your purse, what do you just carry around every day that we don't think about that can be poisonous to children. So your hand sanitizer, your Advil you keep in there, whatever that is that we're just carrying around that we don't think about, you know, does does your child have access to that? So making sure we think through those things too, not just our medicine cabinet, but what do we have with us? What do we have in our car that they can get into? You know, I, hand sanitizer and it was just not one that i would think of i mean and especially now right post covid you still see hand sanitizer absolutely everywhere so yes what other what other items that we carry on a regular basis that we use regularly do we need to be careful about around our children yeah so i've had to call actually as a parent poison control twice um, so my daughter drank hand sanitizer and my son ate the little packet in the shoe box with the new shoes that says don't eat fat. Oh no, the gel, um, the silica <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So the poison control center is very helpful. Um, the great thing about them, it's manned by doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and they call you back. So they always call back and check, which is great. Um, but the, those most common things, um, that kids 
you know, can kind of get into, like we said before, are the things they get mixed up about. So, you know, the hand sanitizer, that's with us all the time. And so they kind of get interested in that. But it's really, um, you know, the things that look like Gatorade, that look like apple juice, that look like candy, um, that they get really intrigued by the really colorful things. Um, you know, they make rat poison really, really colorful for a reason, but it also attracts children. So you have to be careful, you know, what things look like. They look like other common household items. Uh, Windex is a really, uh, because Windex looks like the Gatorade. Um, so kids don't know the difference. So just making sure everything is clearly labeled and put up. Yeah, and that blue Gatorade is very popular with kids, I can tell you, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. and I think, you know, as as I'm sitting here pondering and listening to what you're saying, some of the things to me, like, there's so many additional uses for some of these products, like hand sanitizer, for example, because of some of the stuff that is in it, right? If, if you need to remove residue from a sticker. <laughs> That's true. All right? Yeah. It's a great yep. tool for doing that. But, yep. I, I mean, usually most of us don't think about how dangerous that is if it's ingested by a kid. Uh, or even by an adult, um, you know, in, yeah. I, I mean, I, my kids, you know, look, I'm, my wife carries hand sanitizer everywhere we go. She always has, even before COVID. And, you know, my kids are always getting hand sanitizer when we're, you know, out somewhere in public where there's things to be able to try to help keep them safe. And, you know, at the end of the day, they put that hand sanitizer on and right after they do that, then they wipe their face. And, you know, so you gotta, you gotta really think about the things that we do. I mean, modern technology and science has allowed us to come up with a lot of great, useful items that have singular purposes and we find other purposes to use them for. And, um, you know, I think it's important. So it goes back to what we said about medications, and that is read the label. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it tells you yep. what's in hand sanitizer. Yeah. And if you read the label, you're not going to want anybody to be drinking it. No. And honestly, hand sanitizer is something that I know I, I believe Heather does too. We give it away as part of some of our classes. Yeah. It's branded. It's UT yeah. extension. But it does. It has a label that tells you everything. And there's some facilities that I can't even bring it into because of the things that are inside of it. So you do have to pay attention to that. Mm. All right. So we need to think about if you're a, a pine saw user, <laughs> right? Lock that stuff up because yeah. it looks like apple juice. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is important, I've always thought is important, is having good, open, clear conversation with your kids, right? Letting them know that, hey, these are cleaning supplies underneath the cabinet here. And and go through the, the point that you don't drink this, you know, have good, open conversation. One of the things that my wife has helped me to learn and understand is that our kids are a heck of a lot smarter than we give them credit for. <laughs> and they can handle having some real conversations. They really do comprehend it, right? If, if, you, yep. if you lock it away and you keep it that forbidden cabinet, <clears throat> and, and, you know, now you've just increased the mischief and, and the sense of, I need to get in that cabinet, Right. So have yeah. good conversation, have conversation with your family about the dangers of things like 
drinking hand sanitizer or drinking the, the fluids and liquids, the cleaning supplies, just be open, just have good conversation. And I think to me, that's one of the, the biggest things that we miss. I think we miss that. Um, yeah. I, I know well, I've been guilty of that. Yeah. So. And especially as they get to teenagers, keeping those lines of communication open. One of the things I read in the research that was really interesting is it, they said teenage poisonings um, a lot of times come from dares. Mm. So, you know, that pod challenge and those kinds of things, you know, daring to you know take just random medication or whatever. So that's part of that open communication is, you know, t- when teenagers say, you know, our kids are very smart and they get to be teenagers and they're not so smart anymore. Right. So, uh, you know, having those open conversations and talking about what these things can do to your body and uh, poisons. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're not, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone because I've got a teenage daughter. So, <laughs> oh my lands. Uh, I feel for both of you. I once was a teenage daughter. So. Wow. Well, I, I tell mine on the regular one day, honey, you're going to grow up and be just as stupid as I am. So <laughs> anyway, with that segment, we are going <clears> to <throat> take a short break. We will be right back here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. It's just that whistle is so soothing. I just, I've always loved that whistle. Can bring a calm to the craziest storm. I think I need to start playing that in my house when my kids, my 13 year old, soon to be 14 year old, mm, maybe it'll calm them. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't, but they would just be <laughs> aggravated. Dad would just be pestering them. Well, it could be the Andy Griffith one. So, well, that's true. It could be. There's a lot of good ones though. <laughs> anyway, I digress as I normally do. That's probably what happens when you guys have conversations around your house as well. That's why the name around the house is perfect for the show, because I don't know about your house, but mine, pretty much everything's fair game. It just is. So, hey, if you're just now tuning in, I'm speaking with Lauren Woods and Heather Kyle. They are both agents from the UT Institute of Agriculture, Knox County Extension. I love the fact that they're agents. It just... I, I feel better knowing, I mean, listen, you're an agent. So when you provide information, it just has that much more authority. Hey, thank you. Thank See? you. There you go. All right. Well, we have been talking about keeping you, uh, you and your family safe. Uh, March is national poison prevention awareness month. So we're, these ladies are providing some valuable information to help keep you safe and, hopefully make you think about some things that maybe you just don't think about and how you can better protect uh, yourself and your children at home. Um, I'm going to kind of go off topic here. You know, we talked about things for ourselves. We talked about things for, for children. Um, But I know a lot of folks here in East Tennessee in particular, we have a lot of elderly that are in our homes as well that we are, helping to take care of, or, you know, uh, for me, for an example, my mother-in-law lives with us. We, it's one of the things that we said we wanted to make sure to do that she has a place to stay and live. And we're right there to help her all the time. 
And, and Heather, you alluded to this earlier on when we were talking about medication, and that is that there was a study that showed that one of the biggest uh, reasons for taking the wrong medication was not putting your glasses on. So I can relate to that. But are there other things that we should keep in mind or be mindful of if we are taking care of uh, a an elderly in the home or something to that fact? Do you mean that as far yeah. as poison control or? Well, in that general. is our topic of the day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, as, poison, as far as poison control and just, uh, I mean, obviously in general, I know that some of the same things are going to be uh, that we're going to do for our children to keep things safe. But are there any nuances or anything in particular that we should be think differently about when we're dealing with an elderly well, part of that study that I read talked about, you know, people not putting their glasses on, taking their medication in the dark, um, and also making sure, especially if there's any um, cognitive department, you know, the um, like memory loss, dementia, any of that kind of thing, making sure you put their medicine in um, those little pill boxes so you know, have they taken their AM, have they taken their PM? And then it's, it's kind of the same principle you know, giving them their medication, if that's the case, and then putting it up. So, you know, they don't think, well, I haven't taken my medication and they take more. Um, that's when poisonings can happen. If they don't yeah. remember they've taken it and they take more than they're supposed to, or they don't take it at all because they forget. So those medication boxes can be very helpful for that. Yeah. Well, and I know too, you know, a lot of times in situations uh, as, as uh, people get sick or ailments occur that sometimes we don't, you know, we're not always thinking the clearest at those moments. Um, and, and I know with some of the elderly, sometimes it's they get those mixed up. They might take their nighttime uh, pills instead of their morning pills. And, and that can kind of get, you know, mixed up in there, which can cause some difficulties as well. So uh, I just wanted to bring that up but because I know we we have so many folks in East Tennessee that we have that. We have a a, a, a or at least folks that I know, there's a pretty good concentration of folks that are caretakers or have uh, parents that live with them or live close to them. Not necessarily that they need anything. They're just, you know, again, like us, we wanted to provide a good living space for uh, my mother-in-law. So, all right. <clears throat> Cleaners and disinfectants. This is, uh, we could probably go on for a good hour on this, but let's let's focus on, cleaners versus disinfectants and uh, how we need to be mindful and protect those in our homes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that one of the things that I would want to tackle is that we kind of use those terms interchangeably, even though they're not, you know, something that's a cleaner isn't the same as something that's a disinfectant, even if a disinfectant cleans. Um, so your cleaner is just something that you put on a surface to get rid of dirt or, you know, some sort of germ, or not germs, but some sort of, some sort of debris, um, whereas your disinfectant actually kills germs and kills bacteria, and in some cases kills viruses as well. So, you know, kind of knowing the difference between the two of those, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that hand sanitizer is something that can be used for a multitude of things. Right. Well, it can actually clean a surface because it actually is, does have disinfecting properties. Um, so it's something to kind of think about, you know, when I am cleaning my kitchen after I have a bunch of chicken in it. I don't just whip out the Dawn and scrub my surfaces. I whip out the bleach and scrub my surfaces. So it's a little different. 
Oh, come on. It's just a little <laughs> bit of raw chicken juice. It's Never just, hurt nobody. Just a little salmonella between friends. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> honey, if you're listening, I love you. I just, that's all I can say. He's apologizing now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do constantly. And, and, you know, and again, and a lot of it, it, you know, it comes, it comes to upbringing. Um, you know, we, uh, ha- how I was raised was, was different. And, um, you know, so a lot of these things, again, through, through, through time, through science, we're able to identify things to better help keep our <clears throat> self safer and those around us. So, uh, you know, one thing I always wonder and ponder is when we clean these surfaces with chemicals that are harmful to us and we're using and we're cleaning our surfaces, how long do we need to really wait before we use those surfaces again? You know, that is going to be cleaner, disinfectant dependent. So that kind of goes back to a little bit of our conversation earlier about using things appropriately. Um, reading your labels. So yeah. if I have a bottle of Lysol hitting here, sitting here beside me, which I don't, but we're going to pretend that I do. Um, it's going to tell me, you know, let this sit on the surface for this long before it has any contact with food surfaces. And things will also tell you if they're food safe. Um, if you think about in a restaurant, you know, when your servers come around and they clean the tables mm-hmm. or your busters clean the tables, they're using a sanitizer that is graded to be used for food contact surfaces. So making sure you know what you're putting on that surface is really important and making sure you read those labels. So if I am cleaning my bathroom, for instance, I may have something that needs to sit there for 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes before it's actually going to do its job. Um, but if I just spray it on and wipe it off, which we're want to do, that's something that, you know, we're like, oh, I sprayed it. Now I can wipe it off and clean it and my bathroom's clean. It didn't actually work the way it was supposed to. It may have gotten the dirt off of there, but you're not actually killing any of those germs if you're not using it the way it's supposed to be used. I, uh, I, I really, I mean, I'm, I gotta confess, I can't really do much more than just sit here and shake my head because, <laughs> uh, this, this is a, a source of, of conversation in my house frequently, because I'm very, well, I'll just say it. I'm very kind of willy-nilly with some of this stuff, right? I mean, I'll be, my wife will be cleaning fruit in the in the sink, and, and I'm over <laughs> here doing something. I mean, she gives me that look, and I'm just like, you know. It, and and so again, I, I've never been mindful, of it. and and a lot of times, as I've learned through uh, my family, is that everybody's body reacts differently to things too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just read the labels absolutely read the stinking label i know but nobody wants to read it and and sometimes you have to get somebody else's glasses to read it but uh listen we have this thing called the internet now we do you can log you can go online and you can find that label for whatever product it is so that you can blow it up enough to read it yeah i mean in some disinfectants some cleaners they make it as difficult as possible to read whatever it is on the bottle it'll be on the back of the label Mm -hmm. and you have to read it through the substance and the plastic but you do you have a computer in your pocket so if you're you really want to know how to use something you can look it up on that little computer called your phone that's right right or you just do like i do and take a picture of it so you can blow it up blow it up i do that too there you go see all right uh so what Oh, what One that? thing you need to be aware of, too, is um, 
you know, looking at the people in your home, does anybody, are they immune compromised? Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be more careful there. Um, Are they more sensitive to things? So, you know, I have a a redheaded daughter, very fair skin. She's sensitive to everything. So with those cleaners, I really have to keep that in mind too. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I I have that. Uh, Oh, do you really? My wife is a beautiful, fair skinned redhead and, and our youngest is, uh, well taken right after her. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's been a great learning experience. And like I said, it's, it's weird coming from where, I, I mean, you know, I grew up in a farm community in central Illinois and by golly, we probably ate dirt most of the days. And so, you know, uh, just, just a different learning experience in seeing how it affects, how different things affect other people and being more mindful of that. So, um, all right, we're going to take a short break. Uh, but just want to make sure that you know this, right? Uh, the Tennessee Poison Control Center is a great resource for you. So if you ever think that you've ingested something or your kids or your dogs or whatever it is, uh, there's a great resource to reach out to be able to triage and, and work through that emergency situation. All right, we're going to come right back and we're going to talk a little bit more about food safety and toxins here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Well, welcome back to Around the House. I'm speaking with Lauren Woods and Heather Kyle. They are from the UT Institute of Agriculture, Knox County Extension. And if you were listening earlier, I just love the fact that they're agents. Yeah, they're agents. You know what that means? It means everything they say has that much more impact because they're agents. Just is the way it is. I appreciate that. Just telling you. Uh, but you ladies, I, you know, Lauren, you were on the show not long ago. And uh, I just, I so enjoyed the information that you you guys bring. And, and really what through extension, what you guys are able to do for our communities. Um, and, and you're such a valuable resource into our community. And again, as I mentioned early in, in the beginning of the show, I, I think so many people aren't even aware of, uh, of that. Well, we have special agents <laughs> that are able to come help you with a lot of really some, some basic things that a lot of times just kind of go unnoticed, you know, uh, Obviously, one of the things that you specialize in is is nutrition and, and exercise. And, uh, you know, as Heather pointed out, uh, she works a lot with some of the, the things of mobility and helping some of our seniors stay safe at home and uh, so many different things that you guys do for our community. And I just want to say thank you to both of you so much for what you do. Oh, thank you. Uh, so thank you. let's talk about food safety and toxins i'm i'm gonna honey if you're listening i'm taking notes okay (laughs) 
Oh my goodness! So there's a bunch of different uh, there's a bunch of different things we could talk about, but I was going to start off by asking you if you were to pick something that leads to the most foodborne illnesses, whether that's you know eggs, dairy, meat, fruits and vegetables. What would come to mind immediately? What would you think is going to lead to the most foodborne illnesses? Man, it, it's it's raw chicken, raw meat. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's not. Um, it's actually produce. So our fruits and vegetables lead to more foodborne illnesses in a year than anything else does wow yeah um and if you think about it it kind of makes sense right we wash it so it has a chance to get contaminated beforehand it has a chance to get contaminated after if we don't cook it so things like lettuce or cantaloupe or these things that we keep seeing pop up in the news then that's another chance Mm. that you know we miss getting rid of some sort of bacteria for a foodborne illness to develop so produce is something that you actually have to be really careful with because we don't cook it very often Mm. um and of course we do cook some things but think about your fruits and think about the amount of vegetables that we don't actually cook right well and so i I, i'm gonna kind of strict off course maybe a little bit what are what are some of the best ways to clean and store some of these fruits and vegetables so honestly when it comes to fruits and vegetables there you don't have to do anything super special to wash it you don't have to buy uh, special products you know i think they're advertising something right now that is a special cleaner to disinfect your fruits and vegetables you don't have to do that but before you use things you should run them under warm-ish water and scrub them you want to get rid of all of that dirt you want to get rid of anything that could possibly have settled on the surface um and that's not even just like the farm dirt or the grocery store dirt. Think about how many things you touch when you go in the grocery store yeah, and then you right. pick up an apple to look at it to see if it's the one that you want. So you're also washing off other people's dirt and yeah. other people's germs beforehand. Yeah, I, and I'm like, I'm a picky apple person, right? Yeah. So it's got to be the right apple. Exactly. And, and and so, but yeah, and I've seen folks do this, uh, especially my kids are strawberry fanatics they eat strawberries constantly oh yeah and but i've seen people open the container and start fumbling through and i'm like no just turn it over it's clear you know please don't touch that (laughs) and so well and and my wife you know one of the things that we found is that depending on what store we buy our produce from or our fruits from they last longer from certain stores than they do from other stores oh i'm sure and obviously, it comes from the packaging and the transportation. Mm-hmm, where it's coming from. Right? So, um, it, it, my wife has this hack that she found somewhere on the internet, you know, but she washes them, washes our, our, our fruits and veggies in a little bit of water, and uh, I think she uses some white vinegar. I, and I think that we talked about that the last yeah, time I was on there, because yeah. she had just figured it out. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, and, but the key, like for the longevity of, of this stuff lasting is the key is to make sure that it gets good and dry before putting it in a refrigerator. That is so important. So that is something that I tell people, you don't have to wash your produce before it goes into your refrigerator. Um, wash it before you use it. Right. But if you are, if you insist on washing it before it goes into your refrigerator, make sure it's dry because any moisture on the surface of that yeah. skin is going to break it down and it's not going to be good. You're not going to feel good if you eat that. All right, let's talk about canned foods. What are some of the things that we need to be mindful of? So when it comes to canned foods, and I'm talking about commercially canned foods. I'm not talking about, you know, something that I'm doing um, like canning at home. Heather is actually the expert on that one. 
But when it comes to commercially canned foods, you know, you want to look for cans that have not been dented. You want to make sure that they don't have any nicks in them or anything along those lines. Um, Because any of those cans that have been damaged in any sort of way, you could introduce some sort of toxin, either from the metal or you could introduce, you know, botulism is is a big issue when it comes to dented cans. Um, and things to look out for other than the dents, um, if it does have botulism, it's going to, to kind of puff out. So if you see a can on your shelf that's a little puffier looking than it used to be, definitely throw that one away. Don't open it. Just check it. Um, and so you want to be careful when it comes to that. Also, I know this sounds a little paranoid, but rinsing off your cans or washing your cans before you open them, because it goes back to think about how many cans of green beans you touched before you put mm-hmm. that one into your into your cart. So how many germs are actually on that lid that you're opening and, you know, exposing your food to? So especially if it's something you're not going to cook, um, right. because cooking does kill a lot of germs sure. because of the heat. But if it's something that's going to be opened and pretty much served raw or, you know, basically raw, then you want to make sure that you're being as safe as you possibly can. I'm just going to cook everything from now on. <laughs> no more no more salad. No more beef tartare for you. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be fried salad from now on. Hey, you can grill romaine and it is wonderful. Uh, I'm going to come up with a whole new <laughs> line of cooked foods that Nobody ever thought of before. So, uh, all right. Well, I, I just want to thank both of you so much for your time this morning. Absolutely. Uh, I always enjoy having you here. It's just, it's such a delight. And I always learn so much and <clears throat> learn, I learn that my wife is right in a lot of ways. So, any rate. Listen in life in general. <laughs> uh, honey, I hope you're not listening right now. I didn't say that. I really didn't. Uh, I don't have to say it, unfortunately. She already knows. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Anybody, any of the guys that are listening are married. You look, we already know. Yeah. It, it's just easy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, thank you so much, uh, Lauren Woods, Heather Kyle, uh, our UT Institute of Agriculture, Knox County Extension Agents. Special agents providing all that we need to know to keep ourselves and our families safe. It is National Poison Prevention Awareness Month. And uh, thank you, ladies, so much for all the great information. And, well, we're going to take a break. And we'll be back after the top of the hour here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. News Talk 98.7 WOKI presents Around the House with Scott Brokamp, your weekly source for home maintenance and improvements, home services, hobbies, lifestyle, and just about anything you'd find to do around the house. And now, here's your host, Scott Brokamp. Well, good morning and welcome back. If you were listening in the first hour, we were talking about, well, how to keep yourself and your family safe. March is, uh, of well as many other things, is National Poison Prevention Awareness Month. And my guests the first hour were Lauren Woods and Heather Kyle from UT Institute of Agriculture, Knox County Extensions. They are they are agents, and, uh, of course, we love any time you have an agent involved. That just makes everything more powerful, right? Um, hey, welcome back in... We've got such an amazing show today. We are, well, we're just going to focus on our folks from UT Extension and the amazing things that they do. But uh, we did not get to our topic of the day. 
and uh, I'm I'm sure uh, my my second hour guest will be able to help with this as well. But you know, March is the month that we spring forward. So not this weekend, but next weekend. Remember to set your clocks ahead one hour. Again, not this weekend, but next weekend. The reason we mention that though, because it's also National Caffeine Awareness Month. I had really no idea this was even a thing. But uh, so I know that the morning radio shows, well, I'm sure they're very caffeinated. But did you know that over 2 billion cups of coffee are brewed each day around the house? But how much caffeine is too much? The Food and Drug Administration recommends that adults consume about 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. That's equal to about five cups of coffee. Hmm. Higher levels of caffeine can lead to anxiety, insomnia, and high blood pressure. You may say, I don't drink five cups of coffee in a day, so I'm safe, right? Well, caffeine is also present in colas, teas, chocolate, breakfast bars, and even some over-the-counter pain relievers. Pre-workout shakes can have as much as 400 milligrams an entire day's allowance in one drink. Even decaf coffee still has about 15 milligrams of caffeine, so it all adds up. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I learned something about coffee a few years back, and that was the darker the roast of coffee, the lesser amount of caffeine that is in that coffee, that the lighter the coffee, so when you go get your breakfast blend at your favorite wherever dunkin donuts or gas station that that breakfast blend is highly caffeinated and it is a very light blend of coffee and not a very dark roasted bean so there you go that's all i can handle for you today i don't have any more information uh so let's uh let's get to it because well as y'all know i'll digress into any rabbit hole i can find any rate, uh, again, I am Scott Brokamp, uh, co-owner uh, co and founder of His Security and Technology, your local source to all things security and technology. And if you're looking for something awesome to do this weekend because the rain is going to disappear, the warmth is going to come back, Mardi Gras, Knoxville's premier pet parade and party, is happening today, 11 to 3 at World's Fair Park. Come out and have a doggone good time and support Young Williams Animal Center. The Professional Bull Riders Pendleton Whiskey Velocity Tour stops in Knoxville tonight. Up-and-coming cowboys see if they can hang on for eight seconds against a rowdy bunch of bulls at the Food City Center. It all starts at 7 p.m. Lady Vols Softball is hosting the Tennessee Classic Tournament this weekend at Sherry Parker Lee. I, for one, am so excited. It is a home opener for our Lady Vols. I'll be there all day long tomorrow. I can't wait. If you're looking for something else to do around town, go to visitknoxville.com. That's visitknoxville.com. Well, in the first hour, we talked with Heather Kyle and Lauren Woods. They are family and consumer science agents with the UT Extension Office in Knox County. And they share valuable information about poison prevention around the house. Well, we're going to continue our visit with guests from UT Institute of Agriculture in the second hour of Around the House, we're talking about ways to keep your lawn healthy and in balance with the natural environment of East Tennessee. They call it a smart yard. Well, 
That's right up my alley. I love smart technology, so smart yard's going to be great. Here to tell us more is Dr. Andrea Ludwig, a professor at UT and master gardener, Mona Yethraj. Did I say it right? Hey, I had some help. Absolutely. I had a little help. So, anyway, welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for having us. I'm Thank you for having us. I'm so glad to have you guys. I'm t- I just, I mean, one of the things, I mean, UT Extension is such a valuable resource here in our community that to me, I just is, is, I know you guys do so much and you probably feel like you, you're always doing, 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 but it really, it's such a resource that is so often overlooked. And so I love every, any time we can have you guys a part of the show so that we can bring awareness and share with our listeners some of the bazillions of different bits of pieces of great information and insight that you guys bring to our community. So thank you, thank you guys so much for being here. All right. I, I just, I got to know. So what is a smart yard? Oh, well, that's a good, good question to kick off with. So we call it a smart yard, one that is in balance with the local environment for the benefit of both people and our ecosystem. And so what that really means is that we're working with nature in our yard. We're trying to enhance and protect the natural beauty that is Tennessee, East Tennessee in particular, but it's really all across the state. You know, Tennessee is known for the, our wonderful biodiversity, and so why not try to reflect that in our landscape? And then it really just brings the focus on function. I mean, when we work with nature, we're not trying to battle the water problems mm-hmm. in our yard. We're not trying to make our soil something that it's not. We're working with what we've got. We're going to be able to reap benefits that that we wouldn't otherwise and, and save a little headache in the long run. So you mean you're going to tell us there's something that we can do with this red clay? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know. Who knew? I know. Who knew? There are plants that will thrive in it because they are adapted. <laughs> and native. Mm-hmm. So and they're used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's usually the key, right? Is understanding what is what is native to our area, and and understanding what thrives in those conditions. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. I mean, so really, it, if we think about it, our yards and and our plants, we, we just need to think about them like our kids, right? <laughs> we need to make sure that we get them in the situations that they grow best in. I love that. See, that is that a new is cool. one. I'm going to have to adopt that if you don't mind. That's right. great. You you can you can have it. <laughs> okay. Just write it down because I'll forget by the time next time you ask about it. But Excellent. all right, so so there's there's like a whole program involved for having a smart yard, and and unfortunately for me, it doesn't rely on any smart technology. So uh, other than the smart people that have come about with this great program, so tell us about the history of this program. And uh, I mean, what's the process for this certification for our yard? Sure. So the, the history of the program is, um, is, is pretty extensive at this point. So we uh, originally started the program at UT Extension uh, with our Tennessee Water Resources Research Center at UT as well. And this was way back in um, 2008. We got the oh. first grant. And um, it was all focused on, you know, educating and bringing awareness to homeowners on, you know, what are the the challenges in their landscapes and particularly Tennessee is a wet state. And Mm. so we really had this big focus on water. How can we manage water better in our landscapes? Um, You know, talk about runoff, talk about retaining runoff so that our communities can be a little more sustainable. Mm. 
And yeah, we've all kind of realized local flooding seems to be more and more of an issue. So we, we have a really kind of long history with this program so far. We've been doing smart yards in Tennessee for, uh, for you know, over, over about 15 years now. And um, so it's, it's kind of transitioned over, over time. So um, just as you spoke this morning uh, about uh, family consumer sciences, uh, you probably were talking about how UT Extension has representation in all 95 counties across the state. So you've got that expertise. You also have expertise in ag and natural resources and horticulture at those 95 offices across the state. Um, and so the Smart Yards program um, with, in its inception was, uh, you know, in the six kind of more rural, uh, excuse me, more urban counties. Mm-hmm. across the state and we kind of piloted the program uh it was originally a six-hour saturday workshop you know back when we still had the the capacity to sit in the same place for six hours and learn that way and give up our whole saturday <laughs> things have changed obviously oh and and we've transitioned to, to online and I, I love to tell you more about that in just a moment awesome well we are going to take a short break but when we come back we're going to hear about these online opportunities find out how you can make your yard a smart yard well, with your smarts and not technology, electronic smarts. Isn't that cool? Hey, we'll be right back here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to Around the House. Well getting outsmarted in here that's all i can say it's not really hard to do for me it's just not but anyway hey if you've been listening today we have just to me the one of the most valuable resources that is available to us uh in east tennessee and that is our folks from the ut institute of agriculture uh knox county extension uh i, I mean Knox County Extension is just such a resource, and there's so many agents. I just, I just think that's so cool that they're all called agents. Sorry, I get hung up on that. <laughs> I mean, you know, but there are so many agents that can help provide just basic information on how to really kind of do things in life, right? I mean, it's. It it amazes me every time uh, I meet somebody, meet an agent or somebody who's involved um, with with extension in any way, just the amount of resource that is available. So to me, I, I'm just, it's so amazing. And I'm, I'm just, I, we can't talk about it enough. We just can't. So um, anyway, as we are talking about, extension and <clears throat> the institute of agriculture I have two ladies in here that well i'm just going to tell you they they definitely have uh, got more smarts than i've got but we're talking about all things to well make your yard a smart yard and uh i i didn't know it was a thing i've got to tell you but i'm so glad that it is um there are there's a lot of things that go into this so there's nine principles into being a smart yard that's right all right so mona you're a master gardener yes so tell me how did you get involved in all this i think andrea uh ludwig came in and gave a talk about smart yards in our master gardening class 
and that just sounded such a like such a good thing to do and so easy yeah because it wasn't really very difficult um and you could just incorporate it in your you know day-to-day um goings on in your yard mm. i think it's we there is a website uh it's tnyards utk .utk.edu and you can get get a whole heck of a lot of information about how to certify your yard. But if you go down there and look at it, it tells you right up front, you know, the simple things you can do. And a lot of the gardeners already do things like that because we love compost hmm. because it's the best thing in the garden. Right. So we all compost. And that's one of the things you could do is, you know, reuse, re, uh, in the reuse, reduce, reuse, recycle. Mm. It's not just um, plastic and metal and right. paper, right. but it's also the stuff you produce in your kitchen and your yard can be composted, mm. and then it doesn't have to go into the landfill. And people have asked me why it's important that you compost rather than it can just compost in the landfill. But there is a difference, and the difference is in, in your yard, it composts aerobically, which is with oxygen. Right. And that produces... Now, when, when something decomposes, it does produce carbon dioxide. Right. Um, but, and when it grows, it takes it in. Yeah? But if you put it in a landfill, it produces methane because there's not that much oxygen and it gets compacted. And it uh, falls apart anaerobically without oxygen, so uh, or very little oxygen. So it really makes a huge difference whether you compost in your yard or whether you co- compost it in a landfill. You really wanted to do it locally. That's interesting. I, I thank you. I, I see. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an analytical guy, right? And so if you can explain to me why I need to do it this way, I'm much more apt to be willing to do it that way, you know? And I think a lot of folks are that way, you know, I I don't, there's probably a lot of people that didn't understand that there is that much of a difference between composting in your yard versus how it's going to go naturally if it goes to the landfill, because honestly, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Never at all. And it's really easy. People always, you know, there's always like loads of information about composting, how how you, you can do it perfectly this way, that way, the other, and it just sounds very difficult. But really, if you just made a pile, it would compost. Hmm. You don't really have to do anything about it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> simple. That's simple. All right. Um, okay. Dr. Lab would um let's these nine principles of a smart yard yes all right so what are these nine principles oh well can i list them just one by one please all right well first off um it's it's kind of common common terminology in the gardening world but right plant right place you know Mm. know your conditions and plant towards those makes sense next one is manage soils and mulch you know sediment uh eroded soil is is a big concern in our waterways so keep, keep your soil on your property. Keep that valuable topsoil. Um, use mulch and, and ground covers wisely. Um, Mona just mentioned reduce, reuse, recycle. So composting right there gets you inches towards your smart yard. Um, water efficiently. 
big one there. Just uh, simple things like calibrating your, your irrigation and only putting out as much water as you need mm. gets you inches towards your, your smart yard and water efficiently. Uh, fertilize appropriately. You know, just know what amount of fertilizer needs to be put out. Take a simple soil test. You can send it to our UT lab in, in Nashville and just put out the fertilizer you need and, and do it the right way so it doesn't leave your property. You don't waste that resource. You mm -hmm. don't waste your money on it. Uh, manage yard pests, you know, as simple as going out, scouting for those pests, see mm -hmm. what you've got. Um, my favorite, as a stormwater management specialist, reduce stormwater and pollutants. So we could talk a lot about that. Oh, um, yes, we could. <laughs> <laughs> and two more. Uh, everybody's favorite, it seems like, is provide for wildlife. Mm -hmm. uh, has a lot to do with planting native plants and supporting wildlife in your yard. And then finally, protecting water's edge. You know, not all of us live, you know, on a water body, but we all live in a watershed. And so we can all do things on our property to make sure our valuable Tennessee water resources are, are protected for generations to come. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had the opportunity to learn a little bit just about water runoff. And, you know, and, and here's the uh, the simple thing. Moni, you, you made it so simple about composting. And thank you. And And somebody made water runoff very simple to me. And that is... Everything that hits the ground goes in the water. It's just that simple. Everything is designed to run off to the the lakes, the streams, the creeks, the tributaries. Everything is designed to run off there so that it can be carried away. So anything that hits the ground is going to go there. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, uh, I'm a Rotarian, and uh, my Farragut Rotary Club, we do a stream cleanup in Farragut. And so this is where I was able to learn about some of this, uh, and, and seeing some of the things that get in our creeks. And it, it just is amazing to me, um, how some of the things get there. And of course, then there's the other side is that some people dump there, which obviously is another, mm -hmm. uh, just, we could do an hour long show on that, but mm -hmm. We won't uh, we'll <laughs> shy away from that. Um, so, you know, it's just amazing to me. And so everything that we do in our yards and around our homes, it everything kind of goes to that runoff point. And so being mindful of the fact and intentional about keeping it in your yard, keeping it in your space, you know, let's face it, the logical conception of this is real simple. If I'm going to spend money to fertilize my yard, wouldn't I logically want to put the right amount and keep it in my yard and not let it wash down the drain, right? Mm -hmm. That's the logical thinking. Mm -hmm. You actually need very little fertilizer in general. I mean, people put out way more fertilizer mm -hmm. than is needed. If you, um, for instance, in the springtime when the weather is good, and you know, the weather is moderate, Plants grow really fast, mm -hmm. and you didn't put out any fertilizer. Mm -hmm. And then in the summer, you, you think of fertilizer rather than saying, okay, do I have enough tilth in my soil to, to maintain that moisture? You know, compost will do that for you. Um, and do I channel the water I get into the right places mm -hmm. for the plants to grow? Instead of that, they put out more fertilizer. You know, and it really doesn't need it because right. it was growing fine in the spring. <laughs> you know, that it, you, you, you just make this too simple. I mean, you make it too simple to understand. And for somebody like me, I appreciate that because 
listen, when it comes to plants in particular, I it just, my wife and I will tell you, we're the, we're the uh, epitome of black thumbs and, you know, and it's I, because honestly, instead of keeping it simple, we make it too stinking complicated and it's really not. And that's why I love having you here because you help us to understand just, it's just simple. It's just easy. Don't overcomplicate it. And one thing you said was keep the water in your yard. Yeah. People often think that water, you know, rainwater running down the street into the drains is a good thing, Mm -hmm. but really it isn't. You Mm want to keep it in your yard Yeah. Mm -hmm. because anything that's running off to the drains will take any garbage along the way. Yeah you know, that fell out of your car or whatever and get it in the drain. Yeah. And you don't want that. Any garbage. And if there's any good in your yard, it'll take it away with it too. That so, too. There you go. Well, speaking of taking it away, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. <laughs> are well we're just like we do here talking about everything talking about whatever comes up but in particular we're talking about uh well we're talking about your yard you can have a smart yard and i've got the ladies in here to make sure you know how to have a smart yard um but i do want to make sure that you you write this down so if you've got a pen you've got a tablet Use your phone. Use whatever device you want to use. Write this website down. It's tnyards.utk.edu. That's tnyards.utk.edu. So uh, Dr. Andrea Lugwood is here, a UT professor uh, from the UT Institute of Agriculture, and uh, Mona Yetheraj is a Knox County master gardener. And well, these ladies are, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm excited because I mean, I'll, I'm just going to tell you, I was a little concerned when, when this came across my, my, my desk for today's show, because I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, uh, well, Moni, you've, you just seem, you've made everything just so simple and simplified and I really enjoyed it. I appreciate that. So, uh, it is simple. It, it is right. The the way we do life, we just complicate the mm-hmm. heck out of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, in our very first segment, uh, Doctor Ludwig was talking to us about um, the certification process of that smart yard, and it used to be a six hour course on Saturdays, and now it's online. It is. So how how do we take part in this, and what is how do we certify our yard? Sure. So, yeah, it is as simple as getting started by logging on to the website that you just mentioned. And, you know, I, I don't think that you're alone in kind of feeling like a little uh, hesitant to dive into some of these topics. And so we've got resources for you that are going to demystify all of these nine principles that we talked about. Um, so each of the nine principles has an online module. It's up there in the YouTube. So we've got a YouTube channel and each one is about 20 to 35 minutes and it's from one of our UT Extension specialists or agents, so an expert in the, in the, in the area. And they tell you kind of all about the, the, the principle, why it matters, and how to put into play this principle in your yard through actions. 
And so it's really these actions. This is an action-oriented program. We want people to be out in their yards, adopting practices, you know, evaluating their stewardship. You know, what, what are they doing in their landscape? Why are they doing it that way? And is there a better way to be doing it to, to really focus on that functionality of their landscape and getting satisfaction out of it? So, so log on, uh, learn through our modules. We've got a, a whole suite of extension publications. Uh, you know, call your local uh, county office uh, and, and talk with them if you've got questions about it. Um, and, and as you adopt the practices in your landscape, we've got what's called a yardstick, our Smart Yards yardstick. And so it is, it's a little bit kitschy, but it kind of keeps us organized. So each of the principles has, has these actions that are associated with inches. You earn inches. And um, can you guess how many inches do you need towards your Smart Yard uh, for certification? 36, 36 inches, inches makes a yard. Makes your Smart Yard. Oh, my goodness. Oh, there we are. <laughs> and now you'll remember it forever. But... But there are, there's four, uh, 74 inches total on our yardstick. Okay, so it's a really big yardstick. So that means that it's customizable for anybody because your yard's not going to look the same as my yard. Right. You know, your needs are going to be different. What you choose to do in your yard is going to look different than, than mine. And so it's really customizable. Pick out what makes sense for you. So you don't need to do, it's not very prescriptive. It's not all 74 inches. You know, choose the 36 that, that meet your, your goals. If you do more, you get bonus points. We'll, we'll give you some bonus points there. I like bonus um, points. Yeah. So, so adopt the practices, get to your 36 inches, come back, and then we've got an online certification. Uh, once you fill that out, we send you your personalized PDF, and you have an opportunity to, to purchase a yard sign and then put it in your yard to showcase to others, you know, the accomplishments you've made. So the website is tnyards.utk.edu. Yep. Excellent. It, it, it just sounds so simple. And in Knox County, simple. we have uh, Mona and a whole other team of, of uh, more master gardeners that are willing to talk with people about their smart yards and their journey towards certification. Um, so would you like to share the email address with them? Oh, yeah. We do have an email address, that, and we have a people that can uh, respond and say, you know, if you need a hand with anything, and it's kcmgsmartyards at gmail.com. KCMC Smart Yards. KCMG. MG. Knox County Master Gardener, smartyards at gmail.com. Got it. Well, listen, I, I, as always, just more resources available to us than ever. Um, all right, so I want to talk about some things because I want to learn. I love to learn. So why smart yards yet matter, right? Uh, the landscape changes in East Tennessee, but I, I want you to talk about this loss of biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And so when you say biodiversity, I know it comes to my mind, but I want you to tell us what that means mm-hmm. and why it's so important to be able to conserve that. Absolutely. So um, biodiversity, you know, is the, the diversity of life in our ecosystem. And of course, you know, here in, in Tennessee, it doesn't take us much time at all to look around us and see the natural beauty that we're yeah. surrounded by. I mean, it, it, the Smokies are a prime example, but, you know, that just bleeds all the way through our landscapes. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a national park or a state park. I mean, right in our own backyard, uh, we can have you know, a lot of biodiversity, a lot of insect diversity, songbirds. I'm a water person, so I'm really all about amphibians and fish. And did you know that Tennessee, we are ranked second for biodiversity of freshwater fish species? And a- apparently it's right after Alabama. Apparently they claim to have one more species than uh, we do. I don't know if we can trust them or not. <laughs> we, can't, we already know we can't trust them. <laughs> 
But, you know, it, 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 it's uh, not hard to see why we have so much great freshwater diver- biodiversity because we have so much rainfall. We have unique landscapes with a lot of different topography and, and habitats. And so, you know, that's really a treasure for our state. And, you know, with, with uh, the influx of people that we see and, and the change of the landscape that we see happening, um, there's risk for losing that with, with every new development, every new change of the landscape from what was a forest or a meadow um, to something that, you know, we're inhabiting now. And so if we can kind of bring that awareness to, to us, then maybe we can choose different practices and help promote that habitat, help maintain that habitat mm-hmm. in our built environment. Right. Well, in you know, I'm I, I I'm a huge proponent for our home builders in in our developments, but you know, and when you tell people that, they're like, ah, you want to take away all the green space? You want to no, no. In fact, most of our home builders and most of our de- developers want to be able to learn how to preserve and keep the continuity. And and keep the biodiversity mm-hmm. to keep things the way they are, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, let's face it. There's a reality. Everybody wants to move to East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to put them? Yep, right? Exactly. It is a challenge. It, I mean, and and one of the things, and I, you know, again, I my rabbit hole here, but we have there is a lot of land and a lot of space here in East Tennessee, and a lot of this land was at one point in time maybe a farmed. It may have raised cattle. It may have raised whatever. And it has been a generational piece of land. And it is now landed to a generation that doesn't want that land. And so, you know, they want to sell it to get the most amount of money. And normally that's by being sold to a developer. And this is where that gridlock comes, right? Those heads butt. But at the end of the day, there there are solutions, right? There are solutions to be able to provide for our people, and yet still have, as we labeled it now, green space and, and and to keep that biodiversity. And and that's, you know, to me, I think that's one of the things that I I hope people can understand and learn and know is that, you know, yes, there some of this stuff isn't done right. And and well, we could talk for hours about that <laughs> because a lot of it comes down to politics and not the actual people, right? Unfortunately, it comes that way. And I, I deal with some of that in my neighborhood that I live in, is that through some of this development, the the people in charge to approve and disapprove things don't think about the water runoff. They don't think about the biodiversity. They don't think about these changes. And, of course, the guy building the house is the one who's getting yelled at when it goes deeper than that. And at the end of the day, it's a lack of education. It's a lack of using the resources of folks just like yourselves, the lack of, uh, well, quite frankly, Dr. Ludwig and, and Mona coming in here and making it so simple for you that you can understand that we can all get along. We can mm-hmm. all work together. Mm-hmm. There are solutions. There are. You know? Yeah. There are solutions. And and what you're describing exactly is, you know, the opportunity that we as, as homeowners, as land owners, you know, we are you know, owning this parcel of land for just a very short period of time in the grand scheme of things, right? But what we choose to do with that land, you know, can have really, really great impact. And so, so what you're, what you're, you're playing on here is exactly what we're talking about, smart yard. So it works for people and our environment at the same time. And these are, these are practices that get us there. So the program isn't really prescriptive. 
So yeah. you don't have to do X, Y, and Z. If you want a deck out front, have a deck out front. You know, it's not saying right. that you have to get rid of everything you like. Yeah. Um, or anything. I mean, it's it's just to make it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I am, and that's, I, I'll blame my wife for this. So she's amazing. And she has really helped me to look at life in just that way. How can we just make it better? Mm-hmm. How can we just make it better? How can I be a a better steward of what I have, mm-hmm. right? And so I know a lot of people of faith talk about stewardship. Well, you know what? This earth that we live on, we need to learn how to be a better steward because mm-hmm. God has granted us an amazing, an amazing place to live. And we need to be a better steward of that. And you guys are so fundamental in helping us do that in a simple and easy way. Um, Before we run out of time, I do want to make sure, because we mentioned it before about native plants. So what are, Mona, I'm going to hit you with this one. Give me the top three native plants that we should be considering here in East Tennessee. Probably the Tennessee coneflower. Um, uh, You know, that's a loaded question for any gardener. By yeah, the way. yeah. It's it's. I don't have three plants that I. Like. Can I can I throw in yeah. some? There's there's a, a set of, of of plants called our keystone species, okay. and they're the ones that really promote um a, a more more like you can look at keystone species to promote any kind of like type of wildlife. Uh, but it it basically is like the the foundation of the the food web that is around us. That is the foundation of a lot of the the processes in the ecosystem, right? And so these keystone species. So for example, um, oaks. Mm-hmm. So Mona, would you agree planting yeah. some oaks or preserving oak trees in mm-hmm. your yard? They are keystone species because a lot of pollinators will use oak trees for the duration of their of their life. So everything from, you know, the 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 moths and the the butterflies lay their eggs, they can use this tree as a habitat uh, food sources, energy sources for the duration of their life. And so look for those keystone species. Mm. Um, so instead there of just picking out three, keystone species are the way to go. Well, see, again, simplicity. Thank you. And, you know, when you think about those keystone species, where's where's the best resource for us to find what those keystone species are? Can well, we find them at We've got we've got a native plant database linked on our website, and then there's also Perfect. wonderful resources from the National Wildlife Federation about keystone species for the southeast. There you go. All right. Well, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, well, we're going to talk about Smart Yards Festival in September, right here on Around the House with Scott Brokamp, News Talk 98.7 WOKI. <laughs> learned so much today i'm i think i'm gonna have to go home and take a nap no that's not gonna happen i got too much to do any rate uh you know again our folks from ut and ut extension and just so many valuable resources um dr andrea ludwig and mona yetharaj master gardener and we are just you guys are making really taking care of our yard 
taking care of our ecosystem just very simple today and i appreciate that um so but dr ludwig i know you had something you wanted to mention yeah so we just were talking about our native plant database and um, that's a resource that's available online uh, supported by master gardeners it describes over 800 different native plants that um, not only are native to Tennessee, but also are commercially available. So you can go purchase them and put them in your landscape. They're not, you know, some, you know, really obscure plant that you'll never find anywhere to be able to purchase. So these these plants are available in the marketplace. And um, speaking about natives, we just wrapped up National Invasive Species Awareness Week across the country. And, um, you know, getting identifying and getting rid of invasive species in your mm-hmm. in your yard and planting these native plants um, in their place, you know, both those activities get you inches towards your smart yard. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Inches. I mean, get you climbing right up that yardstick. <laughs> yep. See, there you go. All right. Well, uh, there's something exciting to talk about though, regarding smart yards. And that is the smart yards festival that occurs in September. Yep. So, all right. Well, tell us, tell us about, first of all, what's the smart yards festival and what can we expect? So the Smart Yards Festival this year is going to be on the 7th of September. It's a Saturday, Saturday morning. And goes from 9 to 1, I believe. And um, it has a host of tables, each of, one, each of which there are people that talk about various things. Native plants is, for instance, one that we have two people and they give away free native plants. Hmm. Uh, we talk about composting, and we gave away worm bins last year. She talks about water resources, and she gave away a rain barrel. Oh. There's going to be somebody who talks about how to convert a lawn into a meadow. <laughs> There's uh, other master gardener um, programs that also show them, you know, uh, display their wares, so to speak. Um, there's a person who talks about um, any question you have about gardening. It's called Ask a Master Gardener. And you can go up and say X, and they will solve your problem for you, or look it up, actually. Mm. And they spend quite a lot of time doing that. So we have a ton of things going on, and we have... The format is sort of vaguely flexible because we haven't quite decided on what we're going to do in September. Well, um, it's in September, you know, come yeah, on. Lots of time. Um, and, but it's, it was really fun. It was a load of fun. So, this, so where does this take place? At the UT Gardens. Okay. In, you know, on uh, yeah. campus. And it's a lovely place. And the UT Gardens also has nine stations that are smart yards that um, reflect the smart yards topics. So you can go on a walk and you can, you know, you can go on a self-guided walk and see the nine topics any day, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's up there and there's a QR code that you can and and walk around the UT Gardens. Um, And it's a lovely place to have it as well. So... um, it is a fun play, fun event. 
This is actually the, the second annual. Uh, we had the first annual Smart Yards and Friends Festival last year, which was Mona's brainchild. And um, it was the, the first event of its kind across the state, so the first kind of specifically Smart Yards Festival. Um, and so we're excited to have the, the second annual one here uh, this, this coming September. And, you know, last year I think we drew, uh, it was at least, I, I like to say at least 300 people. Mona likes to think maybe closer to 400, so we could we could maybe think 400. Um, we, we, it was, maybe I should have organized it a little bit better and had somebody count the people, but uh, there was somebody who counted the people in the last 40 minutes when it actually died down, mm. and and she counted 85 people in mm. the last 40 minutes. So wow. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we had it a was, good group. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. That's awesome. And I want to brag a little bit, too, because um, this model is actually going to be adopted, and we're seeing more Smart Yards festivals across the state. So uh, we're leading the way here in Knox County. Well, you know, that's not uncommon. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real, right? I mean, we lead the way in a lot of things from Knox County here. Good things, by the way. Let's, you know, we're going <laughs> to yes. keep it focused. Well, and so... I mean, look how everybody goes by, passes by the gardens right there on Neyland that uh, Neyland Drive. I mean, come on, I'll be passing it multiple times on my way to Sherry Parker Lee this year. And so, if you see the QR code that says yeah. Smart Yards Tour, yeah. yeah, take a picture and then it'll give you a guided tour of the nine principles. Well, and, and I, I have to confess. But this is going to make it a reality for us. My family and I, we have said. I can't even tell you how many times we have said that we are going to go stop and go walk through the gardens and we have yet to do it. And, and we actually talked about it just last month, uh, on our way to basketball game. And, uh, we said, you know, we're going to make sure this spring we do it because we will, like I say, we'll be at Sherry Parker a lot this year. And we're going to make it a point to go visit the gardens. And now you guys are, well, now I've said it out loud. And I have folks to keep me held accountable to that. Um, but you, really, you, you, you've you made it sound so simple and so intriguing and interesting that, you know, it's a desire to want to go do that. And I encourage anybody. The gardens themselves are lovely as well. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... Uh, you guys have put a lot of effort and work into uh, making the gardens beautiful, but making them such a valuable resource. Um, as you mentioned, the QR codes uh, and and learning to well to how to have a smart yard. So I'm going to have to evaluate and figure out how to make my yard smart. Um, well, we hope to have you, sir. Well and truly certified by the time you come to the festival. Mm. No pressure. Huh? <laughs> no, yeah, I no, like that charge. No pressure. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? That's a great idea. You should run some type of small campaign for folks that get certified and they can come and maybe they can pick up their certificate at the festival Right or maybe I love this. maybe yeah. you maybe you make them a special yardstick that they can have right yeah so. it does have this plaque that you can mount in your garden it's metal it's painted it lasts for a long time at least mm-hmm. it's not showing any signs of age in three years mm-hmm. um, that 
that you can buy after you certify. <laughs> there you go. So uh, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. I, I cannot thank you guys enough for being here with us this morning. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And I'm uh, you're, you're just moving you all to the top of the list. So, um, by the way, we thank you guys for listening in this morning. If you have topics that you would like for us to discuss here on Around the House, you can simply email us at thehouse at hissecurity.com. Uh, you can listen to replays of the show. You can find us where you find your favorite podcast. Just search for Around the House with Scott Brokamp or, you know, Apple, Spotify, or go to my website and search, click on the ATH radio tab. Show is produced by B Media Savvy and WOKI News Talk 987. We thank you guys for listening this morning, and we hope that you have a wonderful time around the house this weekend. Tune in again next Saturday morning for Around the House with Scott Brokamp, only on News Talk 987 WOKI.